0: There's been a concerted effort lately to divide people into clean categories so that you can deal with them, right? Like, you're either a Democrat or you're a Republican, you know? Um, You're on my team or you're on their team. You're a true American or you're trying to tear our country apart, you know, (laughs) Um, but the one arena where we can really look at things in a more full and human way is literature. And so I think the urgency of doing things that way of looking at issues from multiple perspectives of hearing other people's stories is what drove us to start this podcast. And also to locate people we thought were really interesting. were doing valuable work and ask them this question. What are you reading? So welcome to this episode of What Are You Reading? We've got a very exciting guest for you. I'm Ian North, Student Ministries Director at Open Table Community and Communications Director for Presencia. And
1: I'm Tim Rhodes. I'm a um, media producer living here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm really excited to talk with our guest today. We have been trying to work things out and get him on for a while now, and I'm so glad he's here. Um, We first met him at World Relief many, many years ago, and now he is the Executive Director of Friends of Refugees, Welcome to the show, Brian Bollinger. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I know it was uh, it was a little bit took a little bit to get here, but we're really glad you can make it.
2: Yeah, it's it's been a busy season. Uh, There's there's for whatever reason been a a, a significant increase in interest in what we do. Awesome, that's that's always good to hear. (laughs) So, what uh,
1: what are you currently reading right now? What anything that uh, that's been on your mind?
2: Well, um, I I, yeah, you guys caught me in the middle. It's funny. I think you caught me in the middle of more books than I've ever been in the middle of at one time. So it was kind of, kind of made me feel more of a bibliophile than I perhaps truly am. But um, um, I do, I do tend to read a number of books at a time. So um, I've got them all kind of spread out here in front of me like dominoes. Yeah, it's it's a little waterfall (laughs) of books, starting from one side. No, but the um, um, so. I I do tend to read um, books that are helpful for me in my professional work, mm-hmm. as well as for me in my personal life, and then just that are refreshing to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, a book that I just finished um, was a book by a guy named Peter Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, and the the subline is it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Uh, so I'll let you just take that for what it is. But it's a it's a great uh, book. It's a, a short read. It's from Zondervan. It's about two hundred pages. Um, and um, anyway, it, it's just a book that's been really encouraging for me in terms of you know that sense of a. Uh, um, uh a a combination of emotional health and contemplative spirituality so i I really really encourage uh you pick that up actually
0: that book has kind of steered our uh we have a very small church that's in a very like high intensity neighborhood you know we're caring for a lot of neighbors and this this uh book kind of set us up to face a lot of the stuff that we've faced living in this neighborhood so we're we're big fans of that one too yeah Yeah, we've talked through it as a church and yeah, I've got a group book. of
2: guys that are good friends of mine. We, we've been uh, reading it together and just kind of encouraging, encouraging one another. Hey, you know, grow up. So uh, it's, <laughs> No, it's been good for us. So. Oh. <laughs> um, but the books I'm in the middle of right now, um, one that is really interesting is this book called Affluenza. Um, um, and yeah. it's, it, it is a little bit on the academic side, though it, it, it is fun and, and intriguing. Um, it, it's, uh, the subtitle is The All-Consuming Epidemic um and, can you describe the cover for yeah, listeners cover oh, yeah, yeah. Great. so that the cover, cover great. has like this just pile of garbage like at a dump <laughs> like a like a bunch of just scrap metal piled up it looks really really old um and then on top of it is this pink like 1950s or 60s era like television in kind of the cased cabinet uh, and there's like a little tag on it that says as seen on TV. Um, so, and, you know, and then it's kind of a, a sort of an olive green cover it says affluenza, the all consuming epidemic. And, uh, and, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it just looks at our epidemic of overconsumption and kind of talks about shows really how we can live simpler, more meaningful lives. Um And and how do we break the affluenza epidemic for uh, not just ourselves, but, you know, the children we raise and the communities that we are um, a part of. So um, it's great. It's got, you know, it's got some great pictures and sort of comics and different things. Like it is more of a... um, i don't know it's like the, it, it is a little bit of a like a super lightweight textbook like you might find in like a high school environment oh, wow. but, uh, oh. but it is a fun and very engaging read
0: have you found anything in it that's kind of flowed into what what you do or h- how you're how you're going about your daily life
2: oh gosh that's kind of hard to pick i'm gonna look at my highlights here um yeah well okay so you know we talk a lot in in friends of refugees about presence and just, you know, again, our whole goal is to be the friends of refugees and, (laughs) and, you know, and that requires just life together. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not all, um, some more ethereal thing of, you know, changing infrastructures and systems and giving people access to opportunities like a lot of it's just being there. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, there's a great little comic of this couple out like camping and, um, and the fellow here is sitting on this rock with like a cell phone to his ear and a laptop and like a little satellite dish that looks like it's out of Ghostbusters next to the <laughs> tent. And he says, cell phone, laptop, pager, satellite, uplink, even way out here, I feel so connected. And then, you know, his partner there, she's like looking out over the mountain range at the sunset and says, strange, I don't think you're connected at all. Uh, and, oh, you man. know, and it's this great like sense of, you know, it presence hurts. isn't what, wow. it isn't what, the marketplace tells you presence is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so uh, anyway, affluenza is just a great, a great book. Um, There is a book. uh, Well, okay. There's a book called love is like fire. uh, And, and it is actually a a 16th century um, sort of final confession of an Anabaptist or Mennonite pastor who was in prison and about to be executed uh, in Austria. Um, and, uh, and he actually wasn't executed. He, he ended up living out his days. Um, and, um, uh, but the, the name of the guy's, uh, Peter Riedemann and, uh, and it's just, it's very short. I mean, it's like. 80 short pages, a very small book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's he was 23 years old at the time. And it's just this confession of his love for his enemies. And his, you know, understanding that love is a fire that that overcomes and consumes all injustice and all evil. Wow. And, and it's just a great I mean, it, you know, it radiates the passion of the early kind of Anabaptist movement, where people were being um, executed for their belief in nonviolence, mm-hmm, executed mm-hmm. their belief <laughs> that people shouldn't be born into a religious affiliation. They should choose that affiliation. Yeah. Like yeah. the belief that, that, um, you know, faith institutions should be free of political corruption. Yeah. Like literally wow. these were the three core ideas that they were being executed in wholesale for. Wow. And, wow. and, you know, and it's just a really great read of him just, just, yeah, just just bringing light to the sense of that he believes that love is like a fire. Yeah. And and um it's good. It's a good. It's a quick. I mean, you can knock it down in two hours, but his so the the tagline or the run line of it that, that the title is extracted from says um, Love is like fire when it is first kindled in a person. Small troubles and temptations smother and hinder it. But when it really burns, having kindled an eagerness for God, the more temptations and tribulations meet it, the more it flares until it overcomes and consumes all injustice and wickedness. Um, So anyway, it's just a great encouraging read when you're in a space where you're kind of, you know, at a place where you're constantly being um, kind of bombarded from multiple sides with challenges to, mm-hmm. you know, what you do, you know, is yeah. it valid? Is yeah. it effective? Is it, yeah. you know, um, um, is it, is it truly going to, you know, make our communities great? yeah, uh, and, yeah, yeah. and, you know, and, and so, <laughs> so, uh, it, it was, it's a great book. Love is like fire. Wow. So yeah.
0: So interesting. You. There's a, there's a little alignment between our work, uh, we our organization is actually named Presencia. And yours is all about presence so that was cool to hear and then we both find ourselves in these like in these uh in these tension spots of tension between communities that feel differently about each other um do you like i noticed the range of things that you read and you kind of listed the different things are you pretty structured about picking a range of books that Mm. do that or is that just how you happen to read like is your is your to read list pretty organized? Do you have a shelf where you put them? How does it work for you? Uh,
2: so i I do have a shelf. Yeah uh, my wife would point out that that's a recent innovation okay. uh, <laughs> before it was just my little piles everywhere. yeah, uh, but um, uh, I would say that that the actual sort of procedural, like the reading through, it's more um it self-organizes as it goes along because yeah. like I don't want to read oh, like, yeah. All books on leadership all at once. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna put this one at the end and this one in the middle, and I'm gonna read this one right now. Yeah. you know, and then totally. then I'll stack next to that one. That wow, here's that cookbook. I've been really excited about. You <laughs> know? Uh So there, you know, the, it, it's sort of self organized along the way. So, and and I and my, I do believe that um, when where we're going, where we come up with good or great ideas tends to be at the intersection of very divergent and unrelated content. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, for me that often for me the the best thing i can do is to be looking at some really kind of heavier sort of treatise on maybe the social work aspect of what we do in community development next to like the most current edition of popular science yeah. next wow. to you know maybe some kind of a, either a periodical in the news or some kind of an ancient reflection you know from an old text on something and and it's in that moment where all of those have been read kind of in conjunction to one another that sort of these these um I don't know that there's sort of this amalgam that emerges with a really great idea, yeah. Uh, and then I can, and often I can kind of act immediately on that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think That's literature, right. like literature outside of uh, just actual human friendships, literature is the one sort of organized arena where that kind of intersection can happen because words kind of noodle around. Or when you're reading, when you're watching a movie, it's a lot more immersive, I think naturally than a book because it's bombarding you yeah but when you read a book you can have like popular science that thought kind of noodling around in your head mm-hmm. while you're reading thomas merton or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> i think literature allows for that kind of yeah. synergy between ideas or fields of study
2: i would agree yeah i think that's a good analogy and i think i mean i think there's even something in there is a little bit like that you know if you're if your goal is to is to see something that hasn't been seen before yeah um you know Walking is a great way. Driving mm-hmm. a car is an okay way. Flying a plane is probably not a really good way. To do <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but any one of those, because they're really kind of at different perspectives, can offer some fresh, you know, angles. Yeah, um, you will see things from an airplane that you won't see from walking. Yeah, um, you know. But at the end of the day, yeah, you really do need to kind of tap into all of that to be able to to really receive the collective benefit of, of, you know, what your fellow created human beings are all out there, you know, kind of putting out for consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Tap into that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Tim, do you organize, how do you organize your to reads?
2: Oh my goodness.
1: So <laughs> that's a good question because I, I'm torn between <laughs> stuff I receive immediate. Like, so for instance, I went uh, the bookstore recently, I picked up a couple of things here at AVB and that's, that's on my shelf. But then I also have stuff that I mean, I've had for years that I know I need to read. Yeah. And so I kind of try to juggle them. So I'll, I'll pick out a book, um, that I've gotten recently read that then go to something I, I've, you know, something from maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. But then in the middle of that, I try to organize that based on fiction and poetry, nonfiction. I I try to like kind of juggle a lot of different genres. One, I try not to do too many things all at once and it's it's really hard and yeah. so but um but that's kind of my so um like just recently now i'm in the middle of don quixote so it's a really big read i just finished a graphic novel um, about the immigrant experience you know being a alone Sean Tan's book No um the arrival No no it's okay. um uh american born chinese
2: Oh interesting
1: And okay. um it's a uh, by i'm trying to remember his name Jean Wen Yang i hope i'm pronouncing it right okay. and it's just about this kid who goes to school only um, his parents parents are originally from China. He's right. he was born in the U.S., but the only person that looks the way he looked, that speaks Mandarin, and so obviously it's kind of his experience as an outsider wanting to to fit in, and it's a great That's just great. little graphic novel. It's maybe a few hundred pages. You, can, you know, read really
2: quickly. So I'm always kind of juggling
1: that. You know, like I juggle try to juggle different things at once. So if you yeah. get
2: a chance, there's a graphic novel. and I think it's out of print. It's Australian, but it's called the I think it's called the Arrival. Arrival. Cool. Huh. And it's by Sean Tan. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and there's no written words. Well, there are, but they're in an indescript language. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it just portrays the experience of kind of this Ellis Island, like experience of this wow. immigrant arriving in this context where just nothing makes sense. And yeah. there's alien wow. infrastructure and transit and, mm-hmm. and objects and oh, forms. And he's trying to like synthesize and figure it all out. And, like, and then, you know, of course, at the end of the story, sort of his family joins him. And yeah. it's like this, it's just a great, I mean, the great thing about it is that like you can literally read it with a friend who doesn't share your mm-hmm. language because yeah. there's no written <laughs> yeah. word to it like yeah, yeah. you know or someone who's preliterate you know mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah it's a good it's good really wow. good that sounds really interesting great artwork yeah wow.
0: well i Wait. keep my i keep my to read shelf i have it and it's always full but then what mm-hmm. i end up reading is one of the like five most recent books i bought mm-hmm. so like i have this to read <laughs> shelf yep. and i try to work at it but like whenever i go to the bookstore or pick up a yeah. bunch of new books i just read one yeah. of them and then so you're like
2: you're like lucille ball in the chocolate factory you just keep stuffing them into your hat so they keep coming by
1: that's how it ends up i try to go back but i feel like the stuff that i get recently always kind of
0: finds its way to the top i want to be like you brian i want to have a shelf and say like this is the order of things like i'm going to put this book here and this book's going to be five weeks down the road and and know that that's going to happen but i'm not a good person that way In some other ways, I hope to be. But (laughs) and
2: I actually forgot to tell you guys one of the books I I, because I do read some on my Kindle app, um, and there is a really great. um, um, There's a really great. It's a tome. I mean, it's it's not a light read, but it is called. um, It is Poverty of Nations, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, and the the Poverty of Nations, and the subtitle is. Let's see what the subtitle is—a sustainable solution to poverty—and it—and—and and it is just this. Obviously, it's a take on you know the Wealth of Nations, and yeah. and it's this yeah. sort of a, a comprehensive project that these uh, economists did, sort of studying like the three hundred factors that determine whether a nation, a community, a state, a city, are able to create wealth and flourish and whether or not they are inhibited from doing that and then they take those 300 factors and kind of distill them down into like 15 sort of core rights like like the defense of the uh, right to the ownership of property especially by the most vulnerable community Mm. members like widows and orphans you know like and you know these different like they kind of work their way through and say like as they've sort of analyzed this global bank of data wow uh, it's a great like if you just want a totally kind of, you know, objective, like, yeah, yeah take on that. Um, that was a really, really good read. And then my my pleasure read that I really can't say enough good about um, is, I, okay, you guys ever read, like, a film noir detective novel?
0: Yeah. Read, yeah. You know,
2: or, or, like, watch like, the, the Maltese Falcon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, right, I get in trouble when this happens, I was thinking, <laughs> there's gotta be a film noir novel in the Star Wars universe. Oh wow! <laughs> and, and, and of course, of course I'm yeah. immediately yeah. thinking, you know, if I'm going to do that, it's got to be on that on that planet in the in the film series that's like the whole planet is just a giant city, yeah, in a yeah. coruscant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, like, okay, I wonder, you know, ah, man, that'd be really cool to say. So I go. Sure enough, there's a trilogy called Coruscant Nights. Yeah. That is that is a three book series, and it is literally this like character that's kind of this film noir sort of detective yeah. who is like one of these jedi that wasn't executed in the middle of the big like purge right before you know the films we see were like before Darth Vader kind of rises to power yeah. and it's like 6 months after that rise like yeah. and he's just like kind of figured it all out like what's he going to do now that he's basically you know a a persona non grata you know and a person without a nation and wow. it's it's really fun read and so <laughs> That's anyway awesome. there are three books you'll knock him right down and and uh, and i did and so now I, I picked up a new a new star wars book and which is funny because i hadn't i hadn't picked up a star wars book since i was in Seventh grade? That's wow. a I was reading. That was the that last time that I read a Star Wars book was like seventh grade. I'm like, yeah. you know, that was just really and so as I read these, I'm like, yeah, this, this is fun <laughs> literature. This yeah. is good stuff. It's just my brain feels refreshed after I read, mm, yeah. you know, just this kind of um Yeah. Yeah, lightweight. And Star up. Wars
0: is kind of the ideal universe because they made it open, and it's so so many yeah. tones, so and many people are building on it, and yeah. it, it is. Definitely. I mean, it really
2: is a collective action, yeah. like the creation yeah. of this sort of crowd. It was the original crowdsourced yeah. story, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I yeah. still I still have one Star Wars book on my shelf that I read when probably seventh grade, but I keep meaning to like go back to, it. <laughs> and just because I want to see what it's like now as an adult. But it's uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunter. You know that one scene in Empire Strikes Back where. Darth Vader hires like these five bounty hunters yeah, yeah, including yeah. Boba Fett so They like, tells
2: their stories I've
0: each it. one it's good no it's, a, it's a, yeah.
1: it's no a fun it's a really fun book and I'm like well I still enjoy it now Is it like it was a great read because it was just a little like maybe like thirty page snippet the of a their lives, yeah. And Boba Fett, you know, who is eaten yep. in the in the Star-like Pit. Right, right. We're really this, showing
2: our colors here, <laughs> you <yeah. right>, guys. <laughs> we're
1: we're going to edit this, all this out. Yeah. <laughs> this book, the book is so great because it actually lets you know that he, you know, because Boba Fett's like a even though he's barely in the movies, he's like this beloved character. Right. It's kind of shows what happens after that, and I'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. But it's yeah. a, it's a really fun book, and so I, I still have there. One day I'm going to pull it off, and I'm going to brush off the dust, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it and read it somewhere.
2: Yeah. Oh,
0: that's it, great. Well, cool. so Star great. Wars Noir, man. That's, that's, right. Noir. that's right. Star Wars that's great, noir, right there. The uh,
2: well, so so my my next book um, that I'm that I'm uh, This is my stack of them. Uh, I'm about to dive into is uh, is a book that was kind of. Collaboratively put together by uh, some of the leadership at World Relief, my former employer. Mm-hmm. I, I worked as a, a refugee employment specialist there right out of college, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called "Seeking Refuge on the Shores of the Global Refugee Crisis." You know, mm-hmm. Stephen Bauman, Matt Sorens, and and Isan, Dr. Isam Smear. and um, and and it is just fantastic if you've ever wanted to understand the issue of the refugee Mm -hmm. crisis if you wanted to have kind of a a really kind of right in your pocket kind of an understanding of how all this works and what's going on here and who are the players and what's at stake um and um it it, it's a great read i mean it's uh 180 pages 170 maybe um you know, and it says on the back, we can't ignore the refugee crisis, arguably the greatest geopolitical issue of our generation. Oh. How do we even begin to respond to something so massive and complex? Awesome. Um, so it's awesome. So it said, you know, who are refugees and other displaced peoples? What are the real risks and benefits of receiving them? How do we balance our compassion and our security? Oh, wow. So yeah. that's so this, a great read.
1: This might be a good little segue because you mentioned, you know, just fresh out of college going, working at World Relief. Uh I mean, what, we were curious about a little bit of the background.
2: Were you seeking out
1: employment in that area, or did refugees kind of find you? Like, how did
2: that happen? Yeah, so that is kind of interesting. Um, I like to tell college students who come down to volunteer with us. We get a lot of college teams. Uh, I like to tell them about the way I picked my major. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, you know, I don't know, it's, it might, work, might not work for you, but it worked great for me. So I took the entire course catalog of the university, and I put it up on a wall. And <laughs> and I took a highlighter, and I highlighted Every single course I'd ever be interested in taking. Everything from, like, you know, British Empire to, like, welding, oil painting illustrating, you know, on and on and on. And and you know, appropriate technology, you know, like kind of like structural engineering, like anything that was just remotely interesting yeah. at all. And then I like went through and looked at the the majors and I like highlighted the majors that lassoed the maj- the most of those. Oh, wow. And then, that and, makes then sense. and and so yeah. then I finally settled on a um i got a, a dual degree so i actually got two bas but i got a dual degree in spanish language and intercultural community development yeah. uh well. but then i stacked on the side i went ahead and took oil painting and illustrating yeah. and some of the things that i really you know just <laughs> right things that i knew would enrich my you know my my experience as a learner and uh um, and it was fun it was really aggressive i did have a lot of really heavy semesters and mm-hmm. a lot of studying in the summers but i had a blast yeah and at the end of it um uh and my wife and I met in college. We we got married spring break of our senior year and we um we both just really felt like we wanted to do something um oriented internationally in community development. We weren't wow. quite sure what um and uh well, anyway, through a fascinating series of circumstances, we found ourselves actually being placed in Clarkston, Georgia of um working as basically um in kind of a urban service core type program, like yeah. a City Year. You ever hear about City Year yeah, on NPR? It, yeah. So there was a program called Mission Year, and it was a one-year urban service program that basically uh, was started by Bart Campolo, and it just exists to teach young adults how to live as good neighbors. Literally, wow. their their tagline is, love God, love people, nothing else matters. Yeah. And and so that's what they do is they set you up living in community, sharing an apartment. We shared an apartment with two other married couples, and mm-hmm. we basically spent the entire year. And they assign you full-time to work in a field in, in, a, in a local nonprofit that – sort of matches your field of expertise. So uh, for us, we were actually placed at World Relief, which was so funny because we had applied wow. to World Relief our senior oh, year of wow. college. And we didn't hear anything back, and it turned out that the corporate office actually lost our applications. <laughs> oh, no. and, and so then we still wound up in in there in Atlanta, and we, we had thought they were gonna place us in Chicago, uh, because of their program, in Chicago is in a Hispanic community, and I'm a Spanish speaker. And yeah, but they at the last possible minute they actually canceled that whole site and and did something they'd never done before. They'd never had a team out in Clarkston. Yeah, and wow. so this all just came together, and we ended up getting placed right where we had hoped to be. And oh, wow. um, and so we were we were full time volunteers for not quite one year, mm-hmm. and then when we completed the program, uh, World Relief hired us both on the staff. So my wife worked yeah. in case management. I worked in in uh, my my job was basically to make sure that newly arrived refugee families found um, full time permanent employment within within three to six months of when they arrived in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just kind of a rapid readiness and assessment, and then a lot of hard just networking and yeah. and uh, logistics, you know, transportation, all of that, and um, making sure that these families were financially on their own two feet and paying their own yeah. bills by uh, by their sixth month, so they could start. Yeah. Uh, actually so they could start paying back us the American people yeah. for <laughs> yeah. their travel loan. Yeah, uh, yeah because the you know your plane ticket as a refugee to the US is not a gift mm-hmm. it's a federal loan that you have to start repaying starting yeah. in day 180. Um, which sounds rough, but at the end of the day, it, it results in us getting to resettle yeah. a lot more refugees mm-hmm. th- for the same amount of money. And uh, and also, in turn, that loan, as it's repaid, uh, builds credit. And and so um, new, new American families that come to the U.S. as refugees, within five to ten years, tend to have some of the highest credit scores for their income level uh, of any sort of sample wow. across American society, because from day one we're teaching them to make good on their debts. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so you actually see an extraordinary rate of transition into home ownership by, by refugees mm-hmm. and other new Americans like them because uh, of, of structures like that yeah. that are saying, hey, get out there, build a future, build a pathway, and you know, start um, you know, create create more value yeah. than, than you consume, begin to yeah. give back and yeah. give back to the new you know the next generation.
0: So it's clear to me having this conversation with you. You're at the end of a very busy day, right? <laughs> and you walk in here. It's clear to me you have tremendous personal energy, right? <laughs> but what's what's the uh what's the uh like internal or emotional life of someone who's who's constantly facing needs as dramatic as you face in your in your work and and uh, do books like are they a significant part of how mm, you yeah process those things i'm just curious yeah so i mean
2: uh that's a big question yeah and there's a <laughs> lot of moving parts to that and i mean i think you know i, I think that if you choose a career in a high need space yeah. um you have to have a um you have to try to choose stable um spheres for other parts of mm. life where you can get rest yeah um so you know you because no no one no one is a superhero. Like you, you need, you know, if you, uh, if you don't have stability and support, uh, on your home front, um, you're not going to last long in a career space or vice versa. Like if you don't have stability on your home front, you need, a, you need to pursue a work opportunity that offers stability or, you know, and around and around and there's more spheres mm-hmm. than just home and work. But, yeah. uh, you know, maybe it's your third space that needs to offer that stability. Maybe you need to spend more time at a bookstore. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, <laughs> we're that, all that for that. Be, yeah, view. we're all for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, but the, the, you know, the, the thing is that um, um, I think for me, reading definitely is a way to get um, out of the trench out of the Mm -hmm. battlefield kind of up looking at the landscape and trying to think about a better way to accomplish the goal yeah Yeah. uh and 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 maybe that goal is mental health for myself maybe that goal is um um what it means to love and care for my two sons or my wife yeah. maybe it's what it means to be a better neighbor in my physical community my actual neighbors yeah and and or also you know what it means to deliver uh, greater progress for the mission of our organization you know yeah. and, I mean that mission of empowering refugees with opportunities for well-being education and employment yeah. uh, and so there's a you know again you've got to stop and get perspective and literature is one of the most stable mediums to find that
0: yeah. yeah. Do you say, do you think, have you read pretty comprehensively in terms of books on refugees? I mean, when one comes up, do you get it and read it? Or? Uh,
2: I wouldn't say that, that no, because they come up so fast now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time where, like, that yeah. was a very short stack.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and what is the what? Yeah, a couple of others. Right, you had,
2: like, like God Grew Tired of Us, and then yeah. you had, like, like Outcast United, yeah. you know, in terms of, I mean, these are all story-driven. And then you had, on the academic side, you know. But, yeah, now it is like a deluge. I mean, there's a, here's a book that literally just came in. See, you smell how fresh that smells good. That, this it's like this crack, literally yeah. came in the mail 48 hours ago. Okay. Uh, so this is Alan Gratz's book, Refugee. Uh, and it's actually a young adult um, novel. Oh, wow. um, and it basically simultaneously tells the stories of three different kids escaping oh. refugee oh. crises. One is Joseph, who's a Jewish boy in 1930s Nazi Germany. Uh, one is Isabel, a Cuban girl in 1994, fleeing riots and the plague plaguing that are plaguing you know her country, and setting out on a raft. And Mahmoud, that's a Syrian boy in 2015, mm. when his homeland's torn apart uh, by war, and they're tracked toward Europe. And so it's just these three wow. kids. Each on their harrowing journeys in search of refuge. Wow, that's and, a pretty
0: bold premise for a young adult book. Yeah, yeah,
2: and that's the thing. His whole thing was like, you know, he wanted a heart-stopping, compelling novel, but that would be age-appropriate for for yeah. you know young high you know young high schoolers, older uh, middle school, junior high. Yeah. And uh, and 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 so yeah. I'm told. I mean, it you know, and, and he's he's. Um, um, he's a well-vetted author. I mean, this mm-hmm. is not, you know, it's not a, a first venture. Yeah. But um, so I'm told this this has been making the rounds in, in schools in right. both the U.S. and other countries uh, and really helping to humanize the story and help people understand it. And, and yeah. to me, I mean, you know, I've been, I've had radio interviews and television interviews that I've done before and people ask me, you know, what do you say to people who, who, um, are, you know, oh, look out for those refugees. They they might explode. I mean, you know, that that's just mm-hmm. that sense of gripping fear or that sense of that there's this um zero sum game. Well, for any immigrant mm-hmm. that arrives, something has to be taken away from someone who's already here. Yeah. And 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 realizing like without getting into like the the gears of macroeconomics yeah. <laughs> that you know that, that 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 the department of labor and 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 uh the census bureau data bear out over and over and over again throughout the history of our country that into any zip code into which an immigrant enters within 10 years 2.1 new jobs are generated in that zip code like yeah. like new new arrivals of any stripe and shade are yeah. generative economically. That yeah. doesn't mean there will be not will not be negative anecdotes. Yeah, but anecdotes aren't trends. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. And but anyway, wow. you know. What I tell people is, well, what do you say to 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 you know your friends, your extended family, who who are you know have strong negative feelings about the safety, the wisdom, the prudence, the the you know the economic value, you know, the, potentially even the harm to the refugee, you know, the, the source nation, of yeah. uh, brain draining that nation, like you know all of these things. My my most stalwart reply. Is meet a refugee, come yeah. and spend time with a refugee, yeah. build a personal relationship with someone, yeah. and then begin to evaluate this because there's no fact I can give you that's going to change your mind. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. learned that yeah. like yeah. facts <laughs> don't change people's minds. No. Um. Um life experience is what forms most of our beliefs. Yeah. And, and and social psychology would tell you that your actions determine your beliefs, huh. uh, mm-hmm. that we don't do what we believe. We believe in the things we do. Yeah. And, wow. and, and there, I think there's a, that's not a wholesale analogy, but I think there's a grain of truth hmm. to that. Yeah. That that what we are about, we begin to recover our cognitive dissonance and try to understand why things are this way. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think there's an element of just saying just come and see, come and be a friend. You know, if um, if you are conservative, then engage with refugees who are able to connect with you where you're coming from from a conservative worldview if you're a progressive meet refugees who can connect with you from a progressive worldview and perspective if you're not really sure what you think like great just come and meet somebody like nobody's asking you to do something that is going to be just totally alien to you start with where you are yeah And that is Uh, always the best place to begin a journey. Yeah. 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 (laughs)
0: Absolutely. I think it's a good policy. Like you can get stuck. You can get stuck if you only meet or relate with a certain kind of people. Sure. It's it's a good policy with literature too. That's that's right. It's like encounter the story, find the story, you Mm -hmm. know, that resonates or that rings true to you. And then, you know, do your homework on the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's absolutely
1: it. Well, one of the ways you mentioned earlier, just a little bit ago, one of the best ways to to learn about the refugee story is to actually meet someone that's a refugee yeah. and get to know them. How can they do that at uh, Friends of Refugees? What are the many ways? I know there's a ton of them, but how can people get involved and actually get to know somebody who is a refugee.
2: Sure. Well, I, our first step is go to our website, yeah. <laughs> friendsofrefugees.com. It's Both a great plural. website. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I'll pass on your compliments. <laughs> and we, if somehow you
0: can't remember friendsofrefugees.com, yeah. it'll be on our, uh, on oh, our yep. Facebook feed. We'll definitely link we'll it, for too, sure. So. But if Absolutely. you go
2: there, you can click on the Get Involved link, and there and there and you'll find um, there's a small... Um, Sign up sheet to come to one of our volunteer Mm -hmm. uh, orientations. Uh, We do them twice a month on rotating Tuesday nights and Saturday mornings. Hopefully, one of those uh, seems to work for pretty much anyone. Yeah. And um, and what we do is we we basically um, uh, and and you know even if you're not going to volunteer, I mean you just come and Mm -hmm. and we, we will equip you with the full kind of picture of how does refugee resettlement work. Who are the players involved what are the timelines what kind of vetting do people go through before yeah. they get here what's their personal experience life like, like at, in in route and then also when they come like what yeah. is the process of becoming an american and and all of that and and then at, at that point uh, you get a chance to actually see all seven of the community development programs that we run around the Clarkson community. Wow. Everything from our our birthing program to our after school programs to our small business accelerator, our uh, our employment center that that helps kind of transition people from survival jobs to living wage jobs. Mm-hmm. Our um, our, uh, refugee sewing society where, mm-hmm. with our ladies that manufacture all kinds of amazing things to sell, um, yeah. our community gardens, we have over a hundred families that have plots mm. in our gardens. Um, wow. and, um. Uh, and I'm, I'm embarrassed. Oh, and our, our ESL school, Refugee Family oh, wow. Literacy. It's an it's a early childhood development center and ESL school uh, for pre-K kids and their mothers. And we teach wow. English and civics to the moms while the kids are in an amazing early childhood development curriculum that's helping them get school ready. Mm-hmm. um, um there's uh, there's just a lot of ways to engage. We, mm-hmm. we it takes over 2000 unique volunteers every year to do what we do. Wow, uh, wow. And we serve about 6,000 refugees in a given year. Um, but we do that um, through people who make a commitment, you know, with, uh, with our youth, uh, we, mm-hmm. we ask for a year long commitment. If you can't commit to a year with the kids, um, it's not going to be healthy for them. It's not going to be. It's not going to be what they need to, to really flourish. Uh, yeah. But you know, things like our small business accelerator, we even have one night volunteer opportunities where if you are really oh. good at analyzing small business, you can come on Shark Night and actually help give feedback to the two minute deck pitches of all of our entrepreneurs, uh-huh. yeah. uh, or Finance Night or Legal Night. You know, there's things like that, or just be able to come to our resume. You know, our our employment center. Uh, you know, once a week or twice a month and uh help build resumes you know if you speak good english yeah. You are qualified. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and if you speak nominal English, we can probably still use your help. Yeah. I mean, no, it, and, yeah. and, and, but seriously, I mean, you know, to be able to come in and just sit with someone and help them build out a U.S. resume, yeah. help them figure out in the online job posting what's a real job and what's not. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, filling out that online application packet. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you can have a college degree and be a native English speaker, and those online applications might as well be in Greek.
0: Yep, And, and you know, they're
2: incredibly complex. Yeah. Imagine if you had a 200 year technology gap because you are a rice farmer from Burma yeah. and all you're wanting to do is work on the D bone line, cutting up chickens in the chicken factory, yeah. but the application packet is 40 pages long. Yeah. You know, so just being a friend to help remove that obstacle yeah. to, to that individual, you know, really blessing our community, our nation, our country with the intelligence and the ability and the ambition that they've been given. Yeah. Because if if we don't receive that, then, yeah, it's not it's not advantageous. Yeah. But, so that, but when that's unlocked, it is.
0: Right. And that's a huge spread of activities, too. Sure. Yeah. So, I think
2: there's something for everyone.
0: Yeah. There's something for everyone. But what what's like. So if uh, if an opportunity to do a certain kind of work with refugees comes across your plate, what's the core that you look at to say, is this something that fits with who friends of refugees are? How would you describe sort of the core of your work?
2: Well, so we prioritize – so our three core values as an organization – these are not, you know, permission-to-play values like everybody has, like, you know, integrity. Yeah. (laughs) uh, No, like these are the things that we tactically believe we execute on better than the average bear. Yeah. Uh, So for us, our three core values are partnerships, empowerment, and stewardship. Okay. Uh, And they're not chosen lightly. Yeah. Um, But so we we tend to look at – things through the lens of um, is this something that we have carefully partnered with others on before we've tried to do it ourselves and Mm -hmm. are we partnering with those we're serving not just uh, in you know are we are we in a reciprocal relationship yeah Um, and the empowerment point is that are we are we doing is this something that leads to a higher level of agency by that new american or that refugee family Mm -hmm. Um, and then stewardship is the sense is this something that we we are able to deliver on well and at a good value for those who trust us with their resources to go out and have this impact. Uh, Because there's some things that are great in terms of partnership empowerment, but we are not uniquely equipped to deliver it well. Like, for example, a medical clinic. You know, we just are not equipped to deliver that with a high degree of stewardship. And that's okay. You know, uh, and so on and so forth. So when we look at things, we really are looking for partnership empowerment, stewardship, and the coalescence of those three factors. And then saying, okay, does this fit under our mission of empowering with, you know, well-being, education, employment? And and the whole point of that mission is get to our in-game, our vision which is yeah. refugees experiencing abundant life in flourishing communities. Huh. As okay. we are saying, is it going to bring us closer to that that destination yeah. or not?
0: Yeah. Oh. Does it get us there in these three ways? Right. Well, <laughs> that's it.
2: Right. Your vision yeah. is where you're going. Your mission is the roadway you use to go there. Yeah. And your your values are the bumpers along the sides of that roadway that keep you steered straight on it.
0: Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, That's this great. has been great. I want to ask our bonus question of the day. Yeah. So right. this is what we do. We listen carefully to what you say. Mm-hmm. We come up with, on the spot, a bonus question for you uh... that you do not expect and about which we did not warn you. So <laughs> you studied Spanish in college. You sure. said you were a Spanish speaker. Yeah. I'm a very avid reader of Spanish language literature translated into English because I'm still learning the language. So I've been reading a lot uh... of it in translation. But so as someone who's envious Ooh. of your... Uh, Ability to read and speak Spanish. What's the best book you've ever read in Spanish? I don't even oh. have to hesitate on that.
2: So, well, my number two. We'll start on the number okay. two. My number two <laughs> yeah. is right. El Mago de Oz, The Wizard of Oz. Oh. <laughs> it, in Spanish, it is a great. Yeah, now I am from Kansas, uh. so I am biased. Yeah. Obviously, it was translated <laughs> into many languages in the original. But El Mago de Oz is a great read. Uh, but my favorite book is actually a short. It's a short story and Mm um by um um oh gosh what's the name of the author um the title is is um el jardín de los senderos que se bifurcan the garden of forking paths Jorge, Jorge Luis Borges. Yeah, yeah. That is my favorite, Whoa. favorite, yeah. he And he wrote a, a ser- sequence of short stories that you can find collected in novels mm-hmm. about, like, spies and, like, all this. Yeah. They are
0: fabulous. We, yeah.
2: We both were, I'm, like, a complete fan of Borges, and
1: Ian's actually yeah, uh, introduced. he's him one of me. my favorites. No and kidding. I think, yeah, yes. oh, I think yeah.
0: he's, like, sort of the spiritual or artistic grandfather of almost Spanish everyone literally. writing in Spanish yeah. right, <laughs> right <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah, Cervantes, <laughs> Borges, and then everybody else who followed. everybody <laughs> else, right?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. Yeah. El de los senderos que se is a great like um, it's it's got great twists and turns. Yeah. And it's it's just really it's you know, it's great literature.
0: Yeah. So this is interesting. Everybody who knows Spanish is telling me this is a terrible idea. But as I'm learning <laughs> Spanish, like doing the exercises, trying to talk with my neighbors, you yeah. know, all that stuff. I've been reading I have a bilingual collection of Borges' poems. No kidding. So I'm I'm reading like I think
1: that's a fabulous idea. I'm reading
0: in English and then in Spanish, but everyone's that's like great. no one talks that way. That's literary, but I don't know. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. I want to well, read it. Well, it's I mean, <laughs> it's
2: also a it's also a language that that lends itself like most romance languages to like augmentative vocabulary. Like if you if, so if you read if you are well read and have a vocabulary that's expansive, it'll help your formation like the the grammar and the, and the syntax is really simple in Spanish, yeah. mm-hmm. but you just need to build vocabulary and, and the, the language itself has a much smaller vocabulary base than English. So you, you yeah, if you read Borges, you'll, you'll build a vocabulary that's useful.
0: Okay, that's yeah. great Not I'll keep at it, but I,
2: I also you know my other suggestion is is uh, watch watch the news in Spanish yeah like you know grab your like NPR mm-hmm. you know hourly update and like yeah. get the rundown yeah. and then go like watch your you know like a 20 minute Univision broadcast or so like the day's yeah. news that will really help you with how we speak in business yeah and like what is the vernacular mm. of kind of the broadly it's like in in English news, you know, the Kansas accent and the British Columbia accent are the two accents of television. Yeah. They, are the, yeah. they are the flat, like all like journalists, essentially, you know, news broadcasters go to two yeah. schools, one in Wichita and one in like somewhere in British Columbia, and they learn to speak with a television accent that is yeah. broadly understandable across the English world. Yeah. And, wow. and so in that sense, like, yeah, like watch the news. These are people who make their living on speaking in a way that the maximum number of people can understand them. Yeah. Which is wow. what we're going for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> That is great. That's my advice. Yeah. Yeah. Advice. Wow. yeah, I've
0: been listening to like 105.3, you know, but yeah. like, they talk so fast. Yep. And it's like, oh, yeah. I think it's a very, dial- like, it's a dialect that I'm hearing a yeah. lot. Um, But yeah, thanks. That's great. Well, That's great Brian. Advice. It's been great, man. We've got a huge list of books. It's all going to go on our Goodreads page, Um, Mm -hmm. but we've really appreciated having you here. Yeah,
1: this has been
2: amazing. Thank you so much. It's been fun. This is a great way to wrap (laughs) my week. I'm going to go home and enjoy uh, the newest book that I'm going to buy from this bookstore, Kansas Wildlife Chef, with original (laughs) recipes by Marie Johnson and Dave Case. That's right. You know, deer season is coming in just... (laughs) four weeks and two days so me and my crossbow yeah. are gonna be looking to make some venison roast and vegetables here some grilled venison mm. some venison meatloaf wow uh, Yep. Yeah, this is gonna be good That's so awesome. before
0: you check out let me tell you and all our listeners out there they need to know this, the same yeah. deal when you hit the checkout, say Tim and Ian sent you, and they will give you ten percent off of your purchase price. So anyone who hears the podcast and comes into the bookstore and shops and says Tim and Ian sent me, you'll get a ten percent uh, mm-hmm. discount uh, on your purchase. And so, a Brian, make but sure this, to this, take advantage of that. This is the
2: coolest bookstore I've been in in years. Yeah. And, and I and I have been in some bookstores, so I, I'm really <laughs> excited to explore this place. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: also check out when if you know you're you're heading home now but when you come back check out there's a radical lit section downstairs that's all about like community organizing really radical politics like the history of like organizing there's all kinds of stuff down there that's super interesting wow. so we've mined it for some stuff but it's really good so yeah that's a lot of great stuff. that's pro tip yeah <laughs> well, thanks guys
1: i'm excited well that was a perfect segue into avb so yeah thanks yeah. again avb this is yeah. great Weird. um we're always so, I mean, just so amazed that they just kind of are letting us do this. Yeah, they fed but, our guests today. I yeah. don't know if you heard yeah, yeah. meeting, if you but, could hear me. <laughs> no, it was completely. I was nourished quiet. I didn't hear as anything. I shared it. Is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so thanks to them always. We're kind of getting away with something really awesome here. And we just want to thank you, the listener, for uh, for downloading or streaming, however you're getting this. Just thank you so much for listening. Yeah. If you want more info, visit com, and there that kind of is your hub to where you can get to facebook goodreads instagram kind of anywhere else you can want to connect with us and uh, drop us a line let us know what you're reading and i keep saying we want to do it but we want to include you in the podcast as well and maybe share what some of our listeners are reading in the moment so we love to hear from you and um and i always want to um ask or um yeah ask we were talking about asking for things (laughs) um if you can and if you feel like review and rate us at um itunes it means a lot because we kind of go up in rankings if that happens and that not that we care that much but it's great because you know more people will will know about us and will get to see us and potentially uh subscribe and listen we want more
0: atlantans talking about books that's what it's
1: about so (laughs) so thank you so much for listening and we're going to end with a quote and uh, as we always do, thank you again, Brian. This has been amazing. Thank you, guys. And uh, our quote is from Sherman Alexie, uh, uh, a great, uh, great author that we love. If one reads enough books, one has a fighting chance, or better, one's chances of survival increase with each book one reads. Here, here.
2: <laughs> thank you for listening.